I was never planning to have a sponsor for the show unless it was something I really believed in. I've always believed in therapy, and I really believe in BetterHelp.com. Not only do I believe in them, but I'm a client of theirs as well. Registering was simple, and you can choose from various packages, some that start as low as $45 a week. You can utilize email, text, instant messaging, or video chat for your counseling. Some packages include unlimited contact. One of the best features is that you can connect with your therapist no matter where you are. How cool is that? If you're out of town, you can still have your regularly scheduled session or connect with your therapist from anywhere in the world. Sign up now at BetterHelp.com slash TheDepressionFiles and get 10% off your first month. That was BetterHelp.com slash TheDepressionFiles. It's professional, accessible, affordable, and convenient. Why not give it a shot? I wasn't even able to function anymore. It's myself and seven others. We usually call ourselves a system because we're a system of people working together. Welcome to The Depression Files, where you'll hear interviews of men who have struggled with depression. We talk about everything related to mental health, from depression and other mental illnesses, to medication, to suicide awareness and prevention, to our current mental health system, and of course, to the stigma that surrounds mental illnesses. I believe that sharing stories is one of the best ways to chip away at the stigma. I also believe that sharing stories helps to educate those who may know little about mental illnesses while giving hope to those who may be suffering. I'm your host, Al Levin, and I want to thank you for tuning in. Let's get started. Welcome to The Depression Files. I'm Al Levin, the host, and I'm really excited tonight. We have Kevin and Co. on the air, and Kevin is a mental health advocate. Kevin, thank you uh, for joining me, and welcome to the show. Hi. Oh, thanks so much. It's so great to be here. So I'm really excited. You know, I, I try to get a diverse crew on this show all different types of people, some people with different types of mental illnesses. We've had some people on the show with bipolar disorder and schizophrenia. And I know you have a couple of different mental illnesses that are really, um, I don't have a lot of experience with one in particular. So first of all, you're a trans man and you have borderline personality disorder and dissociative identity disorder. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. First, let's uh, get into the the piece about a trans man. And this is kind of around my own ignorance, but there are so many different terms these days around. uh, Actually, I was just told recently by one person just to use the term queer as like the large overall umbrella, which as an older guy like myself still feels a little weird because I think queer used to definitely have a negative connotation to it. And these days, I don't think it does. Would you agree with that? It it really depends to the person. Honestly, it is a slur and it's taken back. Um, Some people like myself, I really like the term because I feel like I don't have to explain more than I want to by using that word. But I've also been called it as a slur. So I'm kind of in the middle generation. I'm 25. So I mean, it sort of was a slur, but then we sort of the community would kind of took it back and said, Oh, well, that's kind of funny. Like, let's just keep this word and take it back and make sure that it fits for us. And, right. and some people it doesn't fit for them and that's totally okay. 
Yeah. Because yeah. there is so much negative con- connotation behind it. Right. And I hear you saying the way one uses it could really make it a slur, a negative slur or not. Right. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. If you're using it as a word to define yourself, that's completely different than, you know, calling some random person a random, you know, like yeah. it doesn't seem. Yeah. So there. And the reason I bring it up is because I know one person recently told me there are so many more um, letters associated with LGBTQ and there are additional letters and some people just say plus and I might have even mixed those up and I apologize if I did. But um, and that's why the person one person said to me who is gay just said, yeah, I like the term queer because, you know, if you mention all these letters, you're bound to miss one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like it for that, too. But I also like to say LGBTQ plus alphabet soup, you know, because I just kind of like say that there's just way more out there and there will be more. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. um, Different ways that people identify or or mixes of, you know, gender and sexuality aren't the same thing. Right. You know, who you're attracted to and who you are are completely different. So there's different complexities with mixing of those you know, different types of identities. So, right. Yeah. So when you identify as a trans man, is that different from transgender or is that a shortened form of transgender? Um, transgender is, is a, is a kind of an umbrella term, I would say like, um, uh, you can be non-binary and, and be transgender. You can be, you know, a trans, uh, female, you can be a trans male, like transgender kind of encompasses everybody. But, um, when I say trans male, I I mean, like, I'm a, I'm a man who is trans is what that kind of means. It's not the other way around. I guess people kind of get confused with that. So can you even specify when you say you're a man who's trans? Yeah. So, so, so I guess it's like, um, I wouldn't say like I don't know it's like I'm, I'm I was born this way like I am a man like I I was I always feel like I was a little boy growing up but I was raised as a girl Gotcha Gotcha yeah. Um and so does trans like in my mind and again I'm a li- I'm much older than you and in my mind like transgender always meant like somebody who went through a transition with hormones, possibly surgical pieces. Is that what the definition oh, of transgender? Not necessarily. Okay. Not necessarily at all. You can identify as, as trans or transgender and just feel that it doesn't fit, but the gender that you were assigned with, but maybe your body is how you like it. So why change it? You gotcha. know, like, you're still yourself and you still are who you feel you are despite how you look like. Right. Right. That makes a lot of sense. So you've got a couple of different diagnoses, borderline personality disorder, which I know is oftentimes abbreviated with BPD. And I know I used to sometimes think that was bipolar disorder, which obviously is not borderline personality disorder. BPD is very different. Um, and then also dissociative identity disorder, which used to be called multiple personality disorder, correct? Yeah. Yeah. That was the previous name for it. So when, when did you receive your diagnoses? 
Well, uh, BPD was, um, well, so I finished uh, university. I finished it uh, near the tail end of it. I had done, I'd done everything. I went above and beyond, and then I broke down um, right at that moment, right before, like right after my last exam type thing. Like I was, that was it. So I went to the hospital, and they diagnosed me then. And I didn't quite know about it until later on when my doctor kind of told me like, oh yeah, you have BPD. But looking back now that I have my records, I was able to see that they've identified that earlier. So I, I'm not too sure when, yeah, I guess I, symptoms always happen. So that's really interesting. Sure. So yeah. you think the, the diagnosis was given to you earlier, even though you weren't informed of it? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. A lot of it. Yeah. Okay. That seems, uh, I don't know, in my mind, that just seems a little unethical. Well, I guess the, the doctors I was dealing with, um, they were more concerned about the symptoms okay, and not about labeling, Right. which I mean, I kind of disagree. I wish I would have known or like if, you know, not withholding information, you know, like the more I know about something, the more I can read about it, the more I can talk about it, the more I can see if there's more tools for me out there than, yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking as well. You could start kind of researching, which sometimes it's a little scary jumping on the internet these days with all the different pieces and not knowing who the the sources are all the time and everything, yeah. but it would allow you to then understand that you do have a diagnosis and research it on your own. Talk to some other doctors maybe about the diagnosis and so forth. When you said, you said everything kind of was crashing down at that point, what was going on in your life as you were starting to graduate or getting near that time? I, I don't know. Like, I think, um, I held it in for so long and I was going to finish my degree. That was the goal. And I wanted to have a university degree that, that was the end goal. And as soon as I was done that, like I wasn't even able to function anymore. Like it was just such a, a crash, like nothing. I think it was just a straw on the camel's back, you know, that broke the camel's back. So was there a build up to it? Yeah, I think so. I it was it was I was dealing with symptoms my whole life. So what kind of symptoms? Well, just like not knowing that I have DID at this point. Like at that point where I was hospitalized and having BPD and going through university and doing all of that, I had no idea I had DID as well so there's a lot of like missing time and you know um m you know changes in meds all the time changes in groups and different things I've done and it would help but then not help after I would leave them and not knowing why that would happen like I, I felt like nothing worked for a long time but, and when when you got your diagnosis for BBT, did they define it for you, or, or how would you define borderline personality disorder? They didn't quite define it for me. What they said was that I would do well in DBT, 
so dialectical behavioral therapy. And so I read more about it, and I was able to relate to some of the core, you know, things that they're trying to teach in DBT and how it works effectively. And then I learned it was created by somebody who has borderline personality disorder and who also made this for people with it, right? So that's how I learned about it. And how I define it is just, it's just an overload of emotion. And you're not sure if those emotions are valid or not, or like, is it over the top? Is it how I should be reacting? Is this underreacting? Should I be more excited? Like, you really got to think about, is this emotion mine right now? Like, first thought that comes to mind, do I follow that train? Or do I take a step back and just relax, you know, and try to think about it in all different ways? So that's the main symptoms is just my reactions to things, to that I didn't have any control over. Right. One of the pieces that I've read about um, borderline personality disorder is that oftentimes it's challenging to maintain relationships. And I wonder if that's part of what you were even describing with this range of emotions that people may not quite understand. That in itself, I would think, could make some relationships challenging. Absolutely. And there's a whole part of... uh... DBT about interpersonal uh, relationships and, you know, thinking about how you should approach something and nonviolent communication, you know, just things like if you're really upset, maybe say that you're upset and um, not blame the other person because you're upset. You know what I mean? Like just like reframing the way that you phrase things that you react to things that you set your own boundaries you know like I had to learn to be like you know what this conversation is too much for me I need to step out right I need to deal with myself and then I'll be back when I need to be back right and has challenging relationships been a part of your borderline personality disorder absolutely it, it always has been and and it's something that has been going on for since I was a little kid. Like, I don't think I've stuck with best friends. Like I was always, um, that's part of the DID and the BPD mixed together. I think is not quite knowing who you are, what you want to be around. And sounds really, it's, it's a lot of, it's very, it's very confusing and uh, also for the people involved too, because they have no idea what's going on and neither do I. Right. Like, you know, before when I didn't know. So yeah, the two of them combined just seems like it would be so complex and challenging. The other uh, trait that I had read about with borderline personality disorder is that it's oftentimes, but not always, um, accompanied with self-harm and is that something that you do as well i something that i did yes okay is something that i have always done in a certain way not knowing that it is self-harm 
like sometimes like I don't know younger like I, I remember doing things that that were just soothing to me like it was I was able to control what was going on in that situation right could you give an example I guess like uh as soon as my tooth would come loose I would like I would have this compulsion to just keep wiggling it because it felt soothing to me anyways because it was the only thing I could control right that's often what I've heard about people who cut and did you cut ever yeah and that came later on Uh that's what it became right and with more intention and with a more um, developed brain as a teenager, right? able to understand I am doing this to harm myself. As a little kid, it wasn't really that. It was just comfort. And it sort of, it's sort of like it did that. It, it just kind of changed into something more severe, I guess. Um, and even as a teen when you were cutting, is that still kind of about control, something in your life that you can control? Or is it about feeling numb to emotions and wanting to feel something at all? It, it was a fix-all. Right. It was a fix-all for me for that time. It was like just a patching the, the brickwork, you know, the concrete. And it, it just keeps crumbling off the part that you just patched. There's still a crack, you know, like it was just, it did, it did everything for me. But then it didn't, you know? Right, right. At what point in your life were you diagnosed then with DID, dissociative identity disorder? Um, that's kind of a funny story. Um, I guess I started, well, I, I finished DBT, and that was a, um, I think, six or seven months program twice a week very intense. So then I go back to my therapist and, uh, cause we weren't able to, when you're in that program DBT, it's kind of counterproductive to add another therapist into the mix if they're not even, I don't know. So they, they want you to not see anyone else while you're doing your program. Right. So except, I go back for the, to my th- except for the therapist in that program, right? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, so because it, it's counterproductive and it's too much therapy, it's too much. Um, so then after I go back to my therapist and everything's seeming fine, you know, sailing and just smooth sailing and everything's okay. And I graduate, you know, seeing her and she said, you know what, if you ever have anything else, come back. But I, I think you're, I think you're good. Like you've got your skills and everything. And then later on. I don't remember who, well, a DID has different, for those who don't know, multiple, yeah, it's like multiple personality disorders, so there's different alters. So one of my alters texted my <laughs> therapist saying, hi, uh, I think we need to see you, <laughs> you know, kind of like, hello, I have, a, I think I have uh, an alter. So then I, I got a response from her and I was like, I don't remember sending that text, so I guess I guess uh, I'm learning things about myself like I didn't quite know what was going on. But so yeah, that was kind of my realization. And then as soon as I saw her, she's like, "That's why." Wow. So she had a kind of a like she knew I was dissociating so much, but then she's like, "Now I know what happened." 
you know, now they're ready to, your parts are ready to come out and to be known to you, right? So. So it seems like it made a lot of sense to the therapist at the time? Yeah, for sure. Uh huh. And so you talk about alters or also could be known as different personalities, at least in the old language. And so do you know how many different alters you have? Yeah, it's myself and seven others, so. So eight total. Yeah. Um, and so you prefer the term alters to personalities, and personalities yeah, may personalities, not even be accurate. Yeah, personalities is a little outdated. Um, well, some people still use it. If they still use it for themselves, that's fine. But generally, people use alters, headmates, others, or parts. It's kind of up to the person who wants to express that. So for me, I don't mind alters or parts. Okay. Gotcha. And so you were probably what about 21? I'm just guessing here when you got the DID diagnosis. Yeah. You're just about right. Yeah. In that. Yeah. Something like that. So it's only been about four years or so. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, that makes complete sense. So how did that diagnosis land with you? I mean, were you kind of taken aback? Were you in shock? Or, you know, it's not a very common diagnosis. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Like, I just felt that it made sense. It just felt right. Yeah, so almost maybe like a sense of relief. Yeah, it was total relief. It explained a lot to you. Yeah, I was like, you know what? I'm not alone in this and it's even though the combination isn't always you know that 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 common or that I've seen so far of people of that have different disorders right um it's just a relief so is there a chance an altar comes out at any point like even as we're speaking all of a sudden there could be an altar that takes place of you um there's always a chance there's always a chance that someone has something to say and I won't remember you know see see it's like when you're doing a a presentation or like like this like a podcast and you're nervous you're anxious and you're talking and sometimes you don't always remember what you kind of just said like a sentence ago or something and you get kind of off track it kind of feels like that like you missed a little bit but then you're back and but you're still informed and you know where you are and so yeah it does happen because I think that systems so people with DID we we usually call ourselves a system because we're a system of people working together um systems they sorry I lost my chain of thought I wondered if they step in maybe to take care of you during certain times like you said if you're really nervous maybe an altar would would start leading the way and you wouldn't even really realize it totally happens and the way that why the idea is formed you know like is to protect is to protect from outward harm and stuff like that so their job is to like in my system and the way that we function is that 
a lot of people in my life don't know I have this disorder because I just seem like one moody person, you know, with many different kind of moods and you never know, but it's actually a different person. So, um, but sometimes they will slip in and out just to say something, just to maybe I need to take a break, you know? So, so yeah, it does happen. And so a couple of questions. One is I heard that this DID often comes, like you said, it's kind of a protection for you and that it oftentimes happens because of an early trauma, maybe sexual abuse or something that happened way early on. And one, even as a child starts to dissociate from the person so that it, it feels like it's not you that was abused. Yeah, no, that's definitely how, how I think a lot of the, you know, it has to be a way, like, I think some people, there's a debate with plurality, but I think if you have DID, it's because of childhood trauma. And that's, that's that, you know, it depends what kind, it doesn't, it, it can vary, Every person with DID is completely different. Right. And the way that their alters help them is completely different because all the situations and the context and everything is different. Right. So, but I think that's the common ground is that it's very early, early childhood trauma. And sometimes that persists through life and creates more just issues you know more yeah yeah i get it so did you experience childhood trauma and is it something you remember um i did um i remember some some i don't remember some i don't need to remember because why would i go there if i'm not ready to go there right now in my life So I might not, I've just been diagnosed with this, you know, so I've just started doing the work that is specifically made for DID or for me and my system. So I've just been working really hard on that, but it's, it's really difficult to, to work on some things that you may that some you have some memories you're not sure if they're memories or some of your parts hold the trauma and they might not be ready to talk about it so if you think about DID you're thinking about eight different opinions in my case trying to work out an event that affected everybody right or multiple events so it's not always easy to be cooperative together. Right, right. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> so this might sound like a really ignorant question, um, and it might just be my uh, perception from the negative stereotypes of movies and such, but like, if you have an alter takeover, does, it, does there appear to be a different voice? And does it, I mean, you kind of made it sound like some people don't even realize that you may be going in and out of different alters. Yeah, um, I think it depends on, like, different people. But for for me, 
And for my system, um, some don't have a voice, some don't speak, some are feminine alters, some are masculine alters. So yeah, they present differently. They like different things. They have a figure of speech that's different than mine sometimes. Um, voice might change, but not too much. Um, mannerisms for sure. And yeah, like they're, they're totally valid people. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they're, they've got the thoughts of their own and they're here to help. And, you know, I'm not, we're a collective as a way, like right now, like I can feel a couple people helping me throughout this, this podcast just because I needed it. So, yeah. Right. And, and are you able to identify each and every one of these eight and do you name them? so that you are able to distinguish from one another? Absolutely. They all have names. Um, they all have different ages. They all have their likes, dislikes. I've made a lot of art and a lot of like books and maps and just different things to just tangible things to get what is in my head and how we think and how we differ from each other and how we are the same I've put that all on paper. <laughs> you know, I've done all of that to just see who's who and who, because it's a different sensation in my body when I feel somebody. So right now I feel Cole, and he usually wears headphones, like over-the-ear headphones. Okay. Um, and so I feel this pressure on on like just you know on my ears and on on my temples when he's around right things like that and uh what's the oldest and youngest of the altars my youngest is three years old and my oldest is um is is my age so 25 so there's a few of us that are 25 okay and i know you mentioned like they are there to help you. Do you feel like your altars are always there to help you or do any of them ever get in the way and kind of jumble things up? And maybe that's even in an effort to help, but they just aren't doing it yeah. the right way. It's definitely an effort to help. Like, honestly, I don't think anyone within me wants to hurt me, you know, like ever wants me to have they just want the best for us as a whole. If there is no me, there is no them. If there is no them, there is no me. You know what I mean? Like it's very, we work together. So before I knew, yeah, they were destructive and yeah, they did things that I was like, yeah, I'd never do that. What are you talking about? Like, or I would be in wake, like kind of appear in a situation. I always kind of, feels like waking up and you're just you don't quite know where you are things like that like that's that's happened but we work together and we try to like help each other as much as I can but yes there are moments where I am by myself 
And it's maybe because they want me to have a little bit of peace in my head. You know, I, I don't know. But sometimes, yeah, they are absent, I would say. Right. And is there a particular type of therapy that one with DID typically tries to use? Honestly, at this point, it's, there is no programs. I've looked everywhere in my local area. I live close to a big city, and um, there's nothing. Like, it doesn't, there's no program developed that I know of. If there is any, I would love to know what it is and what it what it entails. But the therapy that I do is um, talk therapy. But my therapist is actually dissociation informed and trauma informed and very. She's just very kind and understands and she's. I've been seeing her for many years, so like since since my diagnosis of BPD, so, and longer, so I think five years. Right. So it's very tailored to me. Like, I don't think there's a cookie-cutter DID solution. Right, right. Well, like you said earlier, everybody's DID kind of manifests differently and and looks different and feels different. So there, I imagine there probably couldn't be a a cookie-cutter solution. tactic for yeah so you mentioned kind of doing some art and stuff like are you trying all because it is only four years that you've had this diagnosis are you constantly kind of trying to learn a little bit more about each of the alters i know i know quite a lot i've i've done a lot of work in the last um i would say six months like as soon as i knew i was figuring out who they were what was going on how they were like talking to them more like journaling like I would write a question and like why do I feel so nauseous right now and or something like that and someone would answer like I'm not doing so good I'm afraid about this that's gonna happen today so they have you know like a like a little kid getting nervous and feeling butterflies and that's that was her sort of interpretation or her, her, her body doing like little butterflies being nervous about an event in the day. And then I'm nauseous and I don't know why, because I'm not nervous for the thing in the day. Right. So it's, it's very complicated and you got to talk to each other. So, but I, I make a lot of art all the time. And I think that's never changed. And that never was any different. You know, I've always been making art. So I just shifted my focus a little bit to that. Right. Oh, that's really cool. Do you ever intentionally try to call up one of your alters to support you in a time of need? Honestly, sometimes, yeah. I've tried. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Right. Sometimes I just need help. Like, um, for me... The hardest thing to do when I'm depressed is take a shower. You know, being trans, you know, having no surgery and everything like that and just hopping into the shower isn't something that's quick and easy. It's painful. It's not a good experience. So sometimes I, you know, try and coax up one of my 
my parts who doesn't have an issue taking showers that actually enjoys it. So I'll, I'll set out some, some of her favorite things. And then maybe she does come out. Maybe she doesn't. And I have to do it myself. But sometimes, you know, she does want to help. So she will. Right. And you mentioned uh, depression. Do you have an extensive amount of depression in your life? Does it come and go? Is it kind of chronic? How would you describe the depression oh, I, that you deal with? I think it's absolutely chronic. Like, I think I've had it for a long time, like, just feeling, yeah, absolutely down in the dumps and often. And with the BPD, it's easy to get there. Right. It often accompanies BPD, doesn't it? It feels like it to me, yeah. Yeah, right. And uh, I know you just explained one of your symptoms of depression, not really even wanting to get up and, and shower. What are other symptoms of your depression? How does that manifest? Um, it's kind of hard to say because we all have different ways of coping so depending on who's and by by we i mean internally right us um we all have different ways of coping so it really depends who is taking charge of it or who it's affecting the most so sometimes like for me personally like it'll be very um not get out of bed and sleep or not sleep at all or not eat or just have no motivation to do anything really. And then is that a time that you then try to tap into one of your altars? Well, no, sometimes they honestly like that, that's one feeling that I can handle and that I kind of deal with the most Okay. Sometimes, like, I guess other feelings kind of trigger out different people. I guess, like, uh, anger will trigger out a certain alter just because I don't get angry. Like, I'm not an angry person. I'm not going to yell at somebody, but my part might if that person deserves that. You know what I mean? Like, so one, one part in particular, like, you know, the name of that part that comes out with the anger, which part is that? That's Daniel. He, uh, he deals with kind of tough stuff. I'm more of a kind of a shy guy, but he's more outgoing and doesn't really take shit. (laughs) He doesn't, (laughs) So he'll stand up for you when you need it. Absolutely. Right. So can you tell me a little bit more about how, like, it's so interesting to me having eight altars or yourself and seven altars, do they interact and engage with one another? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, For us, it's very um, uh, kind of all interconnected. They all have their own relationships and their own way of, like, they, they all have their own level of closeness. With one another. Absolutely. 
Right. And you're able to kind of identify that, like, you know. Yeah. Well, one of the maps of the art I've made is that, is a map of closeness of who, who is close to who. And, you know, it kind of makes sense sometimes if I switch, um, why I switched because of who they are with or who I can ask something about someone else or it's just helpful information to just navigate. Right. And having only been diagnosed four years ago, are you still, do you feel like you're still learning about DID and how the personalities interact with one another? Have you ever thought like maybe you even have another alter? Yeah, I've definitely had a question of that. And there's definitely new ones. Well, they're not new. They just are hiding, you know. It's just like they've always been there sometimes. And you've just got to discover them. But sometimes, like, I think I'm, I've am i got a good number. And that's my, not that I've chosen them, but I feel like those, I think that there is no one else if that makes any sense well i i don't feel anyone else but with the idea you never know right and do you feel like you're still on the path of learning more and more about living with the id um yeah i'm definitely learning because i'm meeting people with it too you know and i'm learning their their story and how they deal with it and how their system works because it's completely different than mine so I'm learning like that through friendships, through uh, following people on Twitter and interacting and just watching videos and keeping up with certain, yeah, just through people. Because in the end, it's it, that's what matters is, is learning through experiences, not necessarily through a book, because through a book, DID kind of seems very confusing and very vague. And like in the DSM, it's it's kind of uh, it's very it, obviously it's clinical, so it's not you you don't know what to expect when you read that sometimes. But learning from real people experience, like you know podcasts podcasts like these, for sure. Right. And I know you mentioned Twitter. Are there other ways you're able to meet people with DID? It's just, it seems to me that it's one of those mental illnesses, kind of like schizophrenia, that there are not a ton of people identified with. So, for example, I could walk out my door and pretty fairly easily find a support group for depression. I'm, yeah. I'm thinking, like, you probably don't have one even living near a big city, a support group for DID. No, but there is, I do have one support group and there's chapters in, I think in, it started in the UK and it got brought to Canada, but it's uh, hearing voices, the hearing voices movement. And that's mainly for people who hear or see things. But my chapter was very inviting of me. I, I kind of said I had DID and I, I kind of hear things. I kind of see things like, right. I don't know. <laughs> and but they, they were like, open. Oh, well, just come on in. Like, you, who are we to judge any anything? Like, the more the merrier. Oh, just that's awesome. Talk about it, you know. So 
that's the group that I have. And mm. I'm very fortunate to have that because it's, it's just a chapter, right? Somebody decided to open it up close to where I live. Oh, that's so, fantastic. And then, yeah. so that's an in-person group about how many people are in the group and how often do you go? Oh, it, it totally depends. It totally depends on the week on anything, but it's a fairly small group and, uh, it, it's twice a month. So one is an open cafe for people who want to kind of, it's kind of open to anyone and their supporters and people who do hear, see things, have altars, um, people who just want to learn and listen in and, and just be more knowledgeable can come. And then there's an, the other meeting, which is just people who, like there is no gatekeeping. Like if you identify as you belonging there, you can come. Right. Yeah. Oh, it sounds awesome. And and that's been a really positive thing in your life, it sounds like? Absolutely, yeah. It's been great. What do you think has been the best part of it for you? Well, just like being able to talk about the idea. Like I, I think it's it's quite hard because a lot of people don't know and it's not something that's quite easily explainable without being like, all right, grab a seat, <laughs> you know? Right. So, and, and I would imagine it's a, a group of people who can somewhat identify and understand it, like you're saying. And also I would imagine non-judgmental. Yeah. Right. So yeah, you can share sure. what you want. You can tell them the truth and you don't have to worry that you're going to sit there and get judged. Yeah. And sometimes I can't relate to a lot of things other people say and sometimes i totally can right and are people there oftentimes offering support too like do people bring up challenges and and then others kind of chime in i know that happens at my support group quite a bit um no it's really about not giving advice like if the person's asking for advice then to give advice but other than that it's kind of our group norm to not jump right in and be like, this is what you should do. Cause there is no should, right. you know, it's everybody's sort of journey to discover what's best for them. And you can only offer them options, you know? Right. Right. That oh, sounds fantastic. Uh, yeah. And then you have a, I'd love to get into some of your advocacy now. I know you have a website, correct? Yes. It's Kevin and then N the letter N and then co.ca. Um, I'm, I have uh, some stuff written down, so some blog posts, and I'm working on my store. Um, and then I have made in the top, um, the top corner, there's the BPD magazine, is a magazine that I've made um, for people with BPD by me. So I've designed it, I've written everything in it, um, and everything is sourced and everything like that. So there's that there. And I'm doing um, story time with the We and Me um, at the We and Me um, on Twitter. Uh, and we're doing a story time for, uh, like, we both, She's her podcast speaks about DID, and so we're doing a collaboration of uh, real, reading children's stories, doing a sort of um, story time for 
maybe smaller or younger parts um, with an activity sheet with it. So that's kind of what's on my website right now. That's really cool. So again, that's K-E-V-I-N-N-C-O dot C-A. That's right. Awesome. Can you tell us a little more about story time? So you're you're actually reading stories, and you mentioned that it's for the younger alters? Yeah, I mean, it can be for everybody, but it, it, we just thought that we as in um, Erica, the we and me, uh, we thought that we really wanted to have a story time because they've been a lot of people have been asking Erica to do it and so yeah it's for younger parts it doesn't have to be but it's we've chosen stories we read about we do an episode once a month on a book or two depending on what we're doing and we just read we take turns reading um you know I do a book she does a book um and then I do the activity sheets so so last um, episode was a uh, coloring slash add in your own details slash write some things in, in there. So it's a nice little thing to do if you want to, you know. So I just thought it's something nice for younger parts to be able to be read to because a lot of systems weren't in good places growing up and they might not have been read to. Right. Oh, that's a really good point. That is super cool. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about the BPD magazine? Cause that just sounds like a wealth of information for people who are living with BPD. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, my first degree is in advertising. So I did a lot of graphic design. So I designed a, a little magazine with clickable links and, um, you know, a little bit about what DBT is and there's a video like embedded in there and just little like tips that I've learned from DBT or just kind of like tips and tricks and articles and different. It's just a magazine type-esque long short reads, um, suggestions, like there's a a slot for um, a, a spread that was about relaxing video games you know just anything that could help so that's in the top uh if you're looking at it in the top right corner it's uh, bpd magazine and you can click right on it and just flip right through it and it's like a an electronic sort of magazine oh that's really cool are there different issues then or is it just the one it's just the one okay but I am working on a DID magazine. Oh, awesome. uh, I'm thinking of doing a similar thing. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see. That's fantastic. Getting a bit busy, but it's a little side project. It's on the back burner. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and then you mentioned a store and there people can buy. Um, is it your um, art that you sell? Um, I'm mostly selling. Um, I crochet a lot. And I crochet without a pattern or anything. It's all very sculptural. So I'm making these mats, um, sensory mats. So I call them grounding mats with yarn and beads and stuff. So um, you can put it on your lap. Um, I, I always thought of it. It came to me when I was in therapy. And I'm like, I need a mat with a bunch of stuff to like play with and just fidget with. And just to keep my hands busy and like different textures and 
So I made them. So Boy, I, I think that is incredibly cool. And one place as a school administrator, I will tell you, is you should target some schools for that. Absolutely. Um, because a lot of our <laughs> special ed students use fidgets and have things like that and yeah. weighted blankets. Um, but And a lot of uh, kids who are not in special ed also need those types of fidgets. Yeah. Um, and yes. having something on that on their lap that they can fidget with that isn't really loud or something seems like a, mm -hmm. a great thing while they're sitting at a desk. Yeah, under a desk, yeah, because it's not, uh, it's just soft and, and rough at different spots. And um, yeah, so I've just been, I've just started doing them because the idea came to me. So I'm trying different things. And so always check up on, on the, the shop because you never know what you're going to see because there's, I keep changing my designs as I go because I keep, I never like to make something twice too much <laughs> right right well it sounds like those could be completely different right different oh, little yeah. textures they and really different are. fidgety things on them that's really cool um so before we uh before we wrap up kevin i'd love to hear from you if somebody's listening with bpd or maybe the symptoms of bpd or did uh, and they're going through a rough patch, a tough time, or maybe just recently diagnosed, what type of suggestions or advice would you have for them? My first suggestion is get it out of your head and onto a paper or onto a screen or onto something. Make something out of it. Like make some art. Like whatever art that you like, do it. Like it doesn't matter if you're good at it. doesn't matter. You will learn to like your style and even if you don't it doesn't matter it's the process of making art of exploring of, of talking like to yourself through art that is the best thing like try and look for exercises like art therapy exercises or anything like that ah that's really cool i like that and i I really appreciate the fact that you said, even if it's not the best art, right? And I would imagine, don't judge it. It's just the process, like you said. Yeah. If you've made a line, you're, you've made a piece of art, that means you're an artist. That's it. <laughs> you know, like, I don't believe in high art, low art, anything like that. Right. Fantastic. Before we leave, one more shout out for Kevin NCO. CA. Check out the website. Check out the store. And Kevin, I really I want to thank you so much for speaking so candidly and openly about these different types of mental illnesses that you're living with. I really appreciate the work you're doing and uh, your advocacy as well. Thank you. And thanks for having me on. And thanks for keeping this podcast going because I think it's super important and lovely. All right. Well, thanks again, Kevin. Make sure you stay healthy. Thank you for listening to The Depression Files. If you are currently suffering from depression and are experiencing thoughts of suicide, please reach out for help. In the United States, you can text 741-741 to connect with a trained crisis counselor, or you can go to suicide.org for a list of international suicide hotlines. If you enjoyed the show, please hit the like button. In addition, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes. Thank you again for listening to The Depression Files.